is It's Never Just a Game. I'm Greg Pesci. And I'm NJ Pesci. And, welcome back. Well, this is a welcome back for sure. Two weeks off, Greg. I know. I, I, it was like Slackers. You know, slackers. It was all my fault, by the way. Uh, with the travel itinerary and issues that we had, no chance to get on the box and make it happen, uh, coordinating that. So that was uh, me, but it was uh, two weeks away, so we're hoping that we, we didn't lose the, the 10 of you out there who are listening. <laughs> we hope you stayed strong. We were posting on uh, Instagram and Facebook that we'd be coming back, and we're back. Um, starting the show like we do, saying that I'm NJM Greg, uh, that one of my kids mocks us about all the time, Greg. Seriously? Yeah. I, I don't I know. didn't know that. Yeah. Do they want us to change our names? I don't know. I, I don't know, but um, that's all we know. So that's what we do. And uh, there's nothing else we can say about that. A lot has happened, though, in the world of sports. So today what we're going to do is we're going to cover some sports stuff like we do. And then, um, a shocker, this just in, my brother has an, another book we're going to chat about today that will give us some more conversations around fear and doubt and a little more conversation on courage. And then we're going to finish with a little music time where I will torture my brother again and take him through some musical interludes. That's the plan. I'm looking forward to it. That's the plan, man. So from a sporting standpoint, uh, listen, the Yankees. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, when I was in the stadium, what was it, a week ago Friday, the first the first game against the Rays. Yeah. And I thought he was I, – I, I love Boone, I really do, but I thought he was just – couple times too cute with who he brought into that game and they blew it in the ninth i mean they had they were within striking distance and then they did come back and score some runs but it just felt it just felt bad after they lost that game that way i thought this does not look good yeah i um i was in massachusetts heading there the yankees were playing the red Sox, and i got there i was driving to the cape and it was pouring rain it was at night it was dark and then stanton hit that grand slam hmm. And it was an amazing thing to watch and to listen to, and the Yankees winning those games. And they had to win those three games. They had no choice. No choice. They had no chance whatsoever, and they did. They won those. And then just went, went the heck in a handbasket there. It was crap in New York. I mean, they won one game, but they, 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 were, they got hammered. Hammered. So they find themselves playing, having to play that one game, one game playoff, I'm sorry, it's not playoff. It's the wild card. They're playing the wild card game with the Red Sox, and they had to play it in Fenway because they couldn't win two games, at least yep. an extra game. They couldn't do it. So they go there, and, of course, if that game is played in Yankee Stadium and things went exactly as they went, Stan would have had three home runs. He would have had three. Yeah, I know. No, Actually, he would have only had two, Greg, because the one home run around the pesky pole would not have happened at Yankee Stadium. But the MVP of the, of the wild card game was, the, was a wall. The, yep. the green monster was the MVP, and the Yankees were done. They were done, and, and, and unfortunately, Cole just didn't look good. Edge. No, he looked terrible, but so did Sale last night. Sale got hammered last night yeah. for the Red Sox, so it happens. But when you have your ace like Sale get hammered, give up five runs in the first inning, get pulled out of the game, and you score 14 runs, the psychological impact to your team and the other team is massive. It is. You win with the guy that has to win even when he couldn't win. So that that's you know, and so the Yankees, for those of you you know, look Sanchez, he's dead to me. Okay, <laughs> Gary Sanchez should never be in a pinstripe uniform again, unless he, he is somewhere else that has a pinstripe. I think maybe Colorado has some pinstriping, but the Yankees do not need Gary Sanchez. Rugnet no. Odor, they do not need him. Luke no. Voigt, they do not need him. 
The labor tours, they do not need him. They don't What's need. What's the beef with Voight? What's the beef with Voight? He's not. He's well. he's not. He's not a first baseman. He's hurt all the time. And if you can sign Rizzo, why would you keep Voight? I, I would. I'd rather have Rizzo. He's a first baseman. I like Voight, but but he's a real right. first baseman. No, 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 no offense. Uh, Gardner is done. It's time for him to yeah. go home. He did a great job. I'm I'm really sad that his last at bat as a Yankee was a strikeout. I'm really me f- too. Sad. Aaron Hicks, you don't need him. He doesn't need to be here anymore. Clint Frazier, he's never going to play again. You don't need him. He's gone. The Yankees don't. The Yankees need a shortstop, a real shortstop. I don't know. Maybe we went crazy for DJ LeMahieu when we should not have and paid uh, way too much money. Maybe his years are past him. But you have to give Stanton credit for the first time after paying $54 million. He finally had a year. He did. And, and, he, and he was very tough when it counted at the end. And Judge had a good year. Judge was you got to sign Judge. Yeah. Now, now is that going to be the you know the aberrant that he actually has a good year? He's not hurt. You have to. T- I think you have to take that chance anyway. But you need a catcher. You need a shortstop. You need a second baseman. You need uh, at least one more, if not two, starting pitchers. Starting pitchers. Yeah. You don't have a catcher, like I said. I'll keep saying that over again. You don't have a catcher, and I don't. I don't know that Boone comes back. You think not? I don't think his contract is up. He's a free agent right now. Yep. And uh, and yes, he's won more games and done whatever. It doesn't. It doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter. You don't win what you're supposed to win. Every one of these people are hired to be fired, Greg. Yeah, they get paid a lot of money, Inch. Hired to be fired, man. You get knocked out in the first round all over and over. Yeah, yes, the Astros cheated that one time. Sure. Now this, for me personally, and I imagine you can't be too far off of this. How much worse can it be? The Red Sox playing the Rays hate them both. Yeah, <laughs> for the potential pleasure of playing the Astros. Yeah, I mean, unless the White Sox figure this out, a team that I hate will be playing in the World Series. Just pick them. Yeah, uh, a former um, person on our show, Don Berman, said yeah. to me when the Yanks lost. A, he said it made me sick. B, I won't watch a minute of the rest of it, of the playoffs in the World Series. Yeah, and I kind of feel that way a little bit. I have to watch it. It's baseball. I can't help myself. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just an old man. An old man watches baseball. He sits there. Time passes. Look, what? What? It's three o'clock already. I missed the world game. I missed. I missed. I missed half a day. So the Yankee thing now for the for the sports focus here in the beginning. Let's uh, shift over to the fact that the Brigham Young University Cougars are now 10th in the nation, Greg. Yep. Which makes everyone nervous in the committee of contain the money to our people group. <laughs> it upsets them greatly. And by the way, on the money thing, I've had more comments in the last month about the two-part series we did on the money in college sports. So we're going to we're gonna have to go out and, and uh, get our program director together and, and uh, build another show like that. Cause that one, yeah, let's do another still, installment. Still hearing about that from people. I'd like to talk about some NIL ideas. Okay. I, I think our images and likeness could be sold, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, well, yeah, that too. But I think, I think it would be fun to talk about okay. what's, what's happened what's so happen- far, what might happen. So that, let's try that. That'd be a good one. And so, um, yeah, we're at number 10 of the nation. And now, unfortunately, the Cougars do play today at home in a day game, which they haven't played since 1847, the way yeah. their, their, their ESPN contract. arrived here. Yeah. So a day game today, Boise State, good team. Not a great team this year, but a good team. And now we got the third string quarterback for us. Yeah. Have they announced who's going to quarterback? For- yeah. I think they said it's Conover. 
Oh, wow. I didn't know I, that. I thought it wasn't now. At least Christian told me last night that that was um, official. Oh, wow. I did not know yeah. that. So uh, I don't know if you can look it up and see what, what it says there, but that that's it. So here we are, number 10. This is a game we should win, and we're going to put a kid in that's thrown just a couple of passes. I mean, I thought Romney did a great job backing up. He he did, didn't he? How yeah. can you? How, I mean, how can you say anything other than that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't even take him out because he throws that deep ball. But that's just you know, you know old time uh, BYU thing. Gordon Hudson passed away this week. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, terrible. Fifty nine inch. Yeah, I remember watching him. I mean, the dude was unbelievable catching the tight end for BYU, who who ran like a wide receiver. Uh, yep. Steve Young built that career on the back of that too. Um, so then yeah, we have so we have the Cougars got to win, and then we had Zach Wilson get his first win with the Jets. Yeah, with some uh, some amazing throws. I mean, he the kid has an unusual arm. He just does. What he he can flick a ball sixty yards. He flicks it sixty yards. Yeah. So the the criticism, of course, was that in in at the end of regulation, all he had to do was complete a little square out. Yeah. And he got jeeped up and threw it over the guy's head. And then if they get that, they win. They win in regulation, but you know they still won. It's a win. They're in London right now. They'll play tomorrow morning, nine thirty Eastern time against the Falcons in London. Yeah. So looking forward to watching that. Yeah, that should be good. Hopefully they can. Uh, he can keep that going. Uh, he does well at the pressers. Every time he shows up at the pressers, he does a really nice job. Um, taking yes. responsibility for whatever it is he has to take. Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, Unlike Colin Cowherd's belief, you don't see any Johnny Manziel when the dude's in front of the camera. None. No. Not one. It's a Disney Not show, right? It's a Disney it show, show. For Pete's sake, you know. Though he did, Cowherd finally mentioned that the guy threw a laser and he had to say something good about him. But Cowherd's all about the take. Maybe we are one day, Greg, with a massive audience that we have acquired <laughs> uh, over time. Most of it through bots. Uh, we are, we're growing this as we go kind of thing. So that that's... Nice to see. And then the U.S. in the World Cup qualifier. How about that kid, Pepe? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been pretty amazing. Ridiculous. Two goals, and then they, <laughs> and they take him out. Uh, you know, you weren't going to lose that game, so maybe they took him out because it's just, yeah, don't get hurt. I don't know. Protect him. Yeah. But that was beautiful, man. That was beautiful. Yeah. At this point, if you're a Christian Pulisic, you're sitting there thinking, this is great for us, and I got somebody else. But, you know, if you're not a China doll, dude's hurt still. Yeah, too much. Yeah. I mean, people do foul him hard and a lot. They do. A lot. And he just can't stand up to it too much. I mean, he's not he's he's not bigger. I mean, Messi's not bigger than him. No. So come on, man. And, you know, on, on Chelsea, they have Lukaku now, so I don't know if you're, gonna be, if you're even going to be playing if you're Pulisic. Yeah, I... I think feel like if you're going to play sports at that level, unfortunately, you just got to figure out how to how to be a little bit tougher. I mean, my, I've had problems, as I've said a couple of times in this program, former episodes, going back to the Yanks for a second. We have too many soft tissue issues. Yeah, a bunch bunch of soft tissue sissies, and, and they, they, they got to figure out how to <laughs> soft how to do a little better. Tissue at that. sissies. I'm sorry if you can't run between home and second base without hurting your midsection. If you you don't you don't belong in 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 the major league baseball, you don't. If you're if you've got STS, <laughs> if, you're, if you're an STS, <laughs> get off the team now. Get off, Sanchez. Get off the team. Now, Judge has proven that he that you can overcome it. 
Yeah. You know, he's proven that he can work. I mean, when you're that big, I understand there's a lot of things that can happen to you, but, but fair enough. He had a great, great year and he's awesome. And do whatever yeah. you have to do to sign that guy. Yeah. So, okay. So that's the sports coverage, uh, BYU today against uh, Boise state one o'clock, one thirty here mountain time. We do have to win that game. I hope it's not raining down there. We don't need the kid to have even more things. We need Tyler Algier to have solid ground under him so he can rush for 250 yards. Do, do you understand that the other night before we could leave this is for a second, the other night when Jacob Conover came in, that was the first time he saw live game action in three years. Wow. Three years, Andrew. Wow. So I've ever saying, oh, what's, come on, man. They just, the guy, he looked a little nervous. You, you think? He's, he's nationally ranked. He's coming into a rivalry game on the road. People just got hurt. I mean, where do they go after him? Where do they go after him? He, he knows he can't get hurt. No, he can't. And he hasn't taken a snap in a real game in three years. So give him, a, you know, give him a yeah. chance. Uh, amen. Amen. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, shift the gears there, Greg, to, to uh, this this new book that you're reading and some of the subject matter we want to chat about. Yeah. So, uh, in our continuing saga of the book club, um, I do think this is one to to uh, recommend to our listeners to consider. It's part of the just started Stoic Virtues series. It's by Ryan Halliday, who's put out a few other things previously about Stoicism. Um, it's called Courage is Calling. Greg, how, sub- how are we defining Stoicism? Uh, um, well, Stoicism is, the, is a philosophy from a very long time ago. From the Stoics? Um, from the Stoics, which basically is, uh, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know that I have the exact yeah, definition. I, I, don't, of, I don't either. I always think it's uh, of about... Stoicism. So let's do it right now on the okay, fly. Before you do it, man, before we do that, before we look it up, if you had to guess what it is, what would you say it is? Um, I would say um, it's it, it's a it's a philosophy about how to live your life, and it is it's basically about like a personal discipline and being willing to, in, in a certain level, of being willing to um, understand that life is hard and suffer part of it um, through life, but but to keep a positive approach to it in light of all the challenges that you may have. And I always thought of something similar, Greg. The stoicism was an understanding of the difficulties, recognizing those things, looking at the reality of things, and and being able to uh, buck up against it with yep. with philosophies that are pretty simple, uh, that like like you, like sharpen the saw kind of thing. So well, I, I've got go get it, yeah, get I, well, I've got something in front of me, Greg. Good. What's it say? And we could probably look up something else as well. But an ancient Greek school of philosophy. Founded at Athens by Zeno, Zeno yeah. of Chidium. The school taught that virtue, the highest good, is based on knowledge. The yeah. wise live in harmony with the divine. That's reason. Um, also identified with fate and providence. So reason that governs nature and are different to the... Um, can't I can't even read that without my glasses. Vicissitudes of fortune yep. and to pleasure and pain. There you go. Okay. So in simple terms. It uh there's an, an another I just found another one that goes a little bit this way, saying stoicism teaches the development of self control and fortitude as a means of overcoming destructive emotions. Yeah, and this is yeah, this one says the same thing, Greg. Oh, something similar. Yeah. It's a philosophy of life that maximizes positive emotions, reduces negative emotions, and helps individuals to hone their virtues of character. 
stoicism. Right. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not John forcing this on anybody to say <laughs> that, that they should become stoics. And I'm not trying to push your religion on anybody because I, I did that years ago in Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, pushing the hard stuff, Greg. Pushing uh, hard. Gateway drug. It's a gateway drug. <laughs> hard pusher. All I'm saying is I think there's something to it. And in this book, um, Courage is Calling, Fortune Favors the Brave. Um, he outlines there's going to be a series. It's going to be a Courage is Calling, series. just a little different than London Calling. It is different than London Calling. It's not done by The Clash. This one is not done by The Clash. In case you're running out there right now on Spotify, you'll find it. I love The Clash. I love The Clash. I hope you're going to test me later on, and I hope we're going to be doing This Is England. Yeah, this is is how I feel. It's Knife of Sheffield Steel. Okay, so here it is. Um, No, we're not doing The Clash later. So, (laughs) All right, let's go. The four virtues are courage, first, temperance, second, justice, third, and wisdom, four. And so he opens it with his first book about courage. Okay, hold on a second. Um, so we got courage, temperance, temperance justice, wisdom, and just uh, justice and wisdom. Justice and wisdom. So, so when you see those four, which one jumps off to you as, as the one you want to know about first? Uh, for me, it's courage. Yeah, and which is the one that bothers me the most? Temperance, justice. Oh no, kidding. Well, just, yeah, you know, justice, especially how it's been yeah treated in recent times. Yeah, I just you know. Uh, what yeah, is that's it? true, Inge. It just bothers me. Yeah, so that that when justice, I believe justice should be blind, and um, <laughs> you know, anyway. So that so courage is is it's one that's most aspirational. And when I look at that, the other ones, wisdom is fantastic too. So yeah. All right, so yeah. let's go. I'm slowing you down by asking these questions here, but no, no, that's fine. And so um, they're very short par- um, chapters with a different idea. Although the book is broken broken down to three parts. The first is. And this is, goes to some of, of what we've talked about before, and I think it's important. It underscores it. The first is fear. Part one is fear. Part then, one of the courage book? Is fear. Is fear. Makes sense. And then part two is actually courage itself. Okay. okay. And then finally, part three is, is, is called the heroic. And so he, he opens up the book talking about, um, about, about fear, about what it is and, and why it, it, we should fight it. And, and, and from a stoic standpoint and why that can be an obstacle to showing courage and okay. being courageous because you allow fear to wear you down. It's very and, consistent, very consistent with the stuff we've talked about previously, yeah. right? And so um, he, he, there are several chapters in here that, that talk about, he had this thing in, um, so I want, <laughs> this book made me feel better for a second here. I want to run this one by you. That, <clears throat> do you think being scared and being afraid are the same thing. No. I don't either. No. Well, what's the difference in your mind? Scared to me feels like it's a something that's happened that moment that is that is a frightening thing that maybe I didn't expect. Yep. Fear a- is is a deep internalized thing that makes you doubt yourself and makes you worry about things that may never happen all against a construct that says you're less than in some way or you're not capable in another way, whatever you however you want to say it. Well, it will expose yeah. you. It's the, it's, it's the, you know, all of that stuff. So I have two responses to that, to yeah. what you just said, because yeah. we did not practice this. Let our listeners know we did not practice this, just like you're going to try to set me up with music soon. Hold on, hold on a second. Practiced. Do you think anybody out there thought we'd been practicing any of this? Well, it, like setting us up, like, yeah. like getting yeah. you prepared for the subject matter. No, By the way, just the joking, we do prepare for this show every week. We just haven't <laughs> practiced what we're going to say. <laughs> and so... Two things I want to say in response to that. One yeah. is you're going to enjoy this book because that's exactly what he says. And two is why didn't you write it? Because I'm afraid of success, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fear of failure 
which is to sabotage success is what it really is. Fear of failure is sabotage success. So let me just read you this one chapter on this. I mean, hold on. I just said that. I could write a book on that, couldn't I? That's what I'm saying. I mean, these, write that these, down. Just, just dropping bombs here. That's unbelievable. Bombs. What did I just say? Oh, I got this on recording, so I'll listen to it. Good thing we recorded it. Yeah. So this chapter is entitled, The Important Thing is Not to Be Afraid. Okay. And he said, even the ancient Stoics, supposedly the masters of all emotions, conceded that we'll have involuntary reactions. This is the scare that you're talking about, NJ, the moment. He says, to loud noises, which I don't know about you, NJ, is one of the things that I've hated most in my entire life. This is true. I can confirm I that. I hate loud yes. noises. Yeah, me too. I think he something's says, breaking, something bad's happening to somebody. So I'm right. I, it's a problem. So involuntary reactions to loud noises, to uncertainty, to being attacked, right? Yeah. Some, you know, that's, you're not walking around afraid. You're getting scared and startled because something happened. They had a word for these immediate precognitive impressions of things. It's called, I don't know how to say it, fantasia. Um, and they were not to be trusted. Do you know what the most repeated phrase in the Bible is? Uh, I don't. It's be not afraid. Oh, man. There you go. It says over and over again, these words appear, a warning from on high not to let Fantasia, whatever you say it, rule the day. Fantasia, she won like this third year of uh, American <laughs> Idol. So, so she's been around a while then if she's doing this too. It's fabulous. Be strong and of good courage, we hear in the book of Joshua. Okay. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. In Deuteronomy, yeah. in Deuteronomy is we hear, when thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and people more than thou, be not afraid of them. In Proverbs, be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. Okay, but be not afraid of sudden fear. It seems a little redundant there. As yeah, someone's yeah. driving that point home hard. Well, as much as it's translated correctly. Yeah, it's pertaining to. Uh, so sure. anyway, he, he goes on and, and, he, and he says, it's okay to actually be scared. Because that's actually going to happen. That's not really being right. fearful. Right. You can and, save your life being scared, Greg. Yes. And and I thought, you know, so there are a couple other examples of, of it. I just they go through fear really, really well. And I thought this is one example that we could use about the difference between being scared and actually uh, experiencing fear. Yeah. So it reminds me, Greg, it reminds me of uh, to tie in a sports analogy, it reminds me of the old right guard deodorant commercials with Dan Reeves, who was the Super Bowl winning coach of the Denver Broncos. Yep. And he was there and he had his glasses on and he was probably wearing a, a tie and a jacket. And he uh, was right guarded spray deodorant um, back then, the aerosol can of deodorant. Yep. And he said, there are two things I live by. One, first rule, never let the press name your starting quarterback. And two, never let him see a sweat. So that's it. This is it. The Stokes did never let them see a sweat. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Maybe that's the new title for it. <laughs> never let them see a sweat. Never let them see a sweat. I do think that on the stuff that we've been talking about for a long time, about people trying to live a, a life that matters to them, do work that matters to them, there'll, there'll come a time when you have to be have to make the decision whether you're willing to do it or not, with including the risks associated with it, the personal challenges and sacrifices that are associated with it. And, being able to uh, recognize what you fear in life and being rec able to recognize how you might overcome it and build courage as a trait, as a foundational virtue in your life is something worth pursuing. Yes. And the concept of um, fear of failure is the 
corollary for sabotaging success. When you have the conversations with people I, I talk to who are trying to be um, advanced in their careers, we go through a coaching with them. And inevitably, Greg, it comes down to the moment where they realize that it's, t- it's going to be tough and they have to do something for somebody else to prove it. And the system requires that. And then it becomes difficult for them to accept that. And so instead of actually being rejected by the person for the promotion, they sabotage their own success so they're never even considered for the promotion. I think it happens a lot. Happens all the time. Yep. And people do this all the time. At the penultimate moment, they do it, Craig. Right. And, and many times I think people do it because they're afraid that they're not sure they could actually do it. And, and, and they can. I mean, I had a conversation with somebody. We, of course, know the answer to the, to the, to the question before it's even asked. Here's, the, here's it. When I was promoted from associate director to director, did I get smarter, Greg? No. No. When I was a, when I was a group manager, was I as smart as I am as a director? Yes. Yeah. I might not have had some experiences, but... Right. But that's not the case. And, and so you're thinking you can't do whatever has to be done at the next level. That, that's probably not true if it's consistent work with what you've been doing. If they're going to say to you one day, you are the vice president of finance, and tomorrow we're going to make you the CFO, do you think all of a sudden you got stupid? No. No, you didn't. Now, you might begin to worry about some things you've never done before, but those are just things you have to do once before you do them the second time more easily than you could have ever imagined the first time when you've never done it. It's, it's very silly, silly don't stuff. You think, don't you think it goes back, at least in part, to one of the syndromes we discussed on a previous episode? Yes, it does. I mean, I think all of us have those times where we think, okay, I'm going to go into a new role, a new job, a new opportunity that seems to be an expansion of what I've already done and you think, you know, everybody has that imposter moment. Am, yeah. I, am I up to this? And some people let that self-sabotage themselves. So two things, Greg. One is we have to come back to the American Express thing in a second. And, and um, that, that the imposter syndrome, we originally, when we did the study on the imposter syndrome, it, was, it did focus on women, correct? Yep. Yeah. And so the funny thing is I've had more women talk to me about that episode than any other episode. No kidding. And when they say they want to refer our show to their friends, that's the show they send them. Really? Yeah. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Now, I got <laughs> after we did our September the 6th episode that included the story about me leaving my American Express cards in the in the safe in Las Vegas. One of our very faithful listeners, Michelle said, how come you don't have a deal yet with American Express? It's a great, it's a great question. It's a great question. You know why we don't have it, Greg? Because you didn't call them, you didn't call them up. Fear and doubt, man. Fear. Yep. Fear and doubt. <laughs> it's so true. So the phone was ringing during my trip to Massachusetts. The phone was ringing from American Express. I could see that they were calling me. I knew I hadn't lost my cards, and I knew I wasn't behind in any payments to the American Express card, my favorite card. So it's probably someone from business development who's calling. And I couldn't answer them every single time they called. I was with a client or at an event. And then, and then they called me the other day. Maybe it was Monday or Tuesday. And I picked up the phone. I had a nice conversation with Kelly, who wanted to know more about my business and blah, 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 blah. And it, seeing how you could use the card more and, or how could the card be more helpful to you. And I told her, we need to have our own uh, commercial now. Did you tell her? Yeah. 
Nice. Go to the episode. I told her. She said, oh, "Actually, I'm going to do it." I said, "American Express. You know, it used to be American Express. American Express. Don't leave home without it." Yep. But that's not the tagline anymore, Greg. Yeah, I know. What is it now? It's American Express. We've got your back. Oh, I like that. And I said, I don't know. Is there a better better expression of that than what I just talked about? Why my American Express cards are in the in the uh, safe because I know that they can save me wherever I am. Now she was supposed to go back and listen to the to the episode and reach back out. I'll give her till Wednesday. Then I have to call and say, Kelly, what's up? How come you haven't <laughs> talked yet to? marketing team about the story it's organic and real sustainable even sustainable it is man word. isn't it, it uh, yeah whatever. just say that it is i'll get on <laughs> this is a sustainable story without exception so all right so, organic and sustainable is that our stuff from the uh from the um from the book i think for today that'll be let's, there'll be some other installments in the future but let's stay with that one all today. Right, let's repeat the title courage is calling Fortune favors the brave. Okay, so the, the, right now the author of that book knows one thing for sure, Greg. What's that? That they will have at least one person purchase that book based on what you said. <laughs> Who is that person? Who is that person? Our sister Janine. Yeah, probably. Janine reads 12, 15 books a day, and she will get that book and read it. I hope she does. She will for sure. No doubt about that. So uh, speaking of family... Our, our, uh, it's OVA OVA, AJ, uh, was too sick for me to see him in Massachusetts. He had a wicked cold that made everybody sick, and he said, don't come over. So I didn't see him there, but um, AJ Jr. and his wife Raquel have arrived in Utah. Yes. So more Pesci's in Utah. They moved here. Their apartment was supposed to be ready today. I don't think it's ready, so um, they're here. Speaking of organic growth, we also have a new nephew. Oh, yeah. That's right. That happened. Nicole Luciano. Yeah. And their new son, their fifth son. Yes. Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Yeah, that happened when we were gone as well. So um, nice stuff. Nice stuff on the family side of things. So okay. Very nice. So we're going to move into the music portion of the program here. And of course, it's always a little uh, stilted and takes a little time for me to get things set up. So th- this is great. So what we're going to do is this. There's a story behind this story, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to ask you to identify the band. Okay. And uh, it's a band now, so it's not an individual. So you got that. And then we have some stories about them. About so per- we start with Casey and the Sunshine Band? It's not Casey and the Sunshine Band, that, you know, whom I did see in person. Did you really? Yeah. Along with Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. Oh, my gosh. You saw him, this? Greg. You were with me for that one. Was this, where was this? We saw Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods at Disney World. Disney World, that's right. When they were singing Billy, Don't Be a Hero. Yep. Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. Wow, and, that was a long time ago. Yeah. And Casey, I can't remember where that was, but it, that was the same kind of weird thing, one little song thing. So it's not that. All right, so let's get ready here. Let's see if we can make this thing work, which is always the case. <laughs> Such good guitar, man. Just stay with it. Another 70s shot, isn't yes. it? Yes. 
So, um, that that is that smell. That's yes. the, the name of the song. And uh, I, I can I, tell you what I can. What yeah, I know it. Go, go. I don't know exactly who it is. I feel like I know who it is. I can't pull out who it is. I know it feels like a '70s song, and it has a little bit of like a southern fried rock feel to me. Yes. So you're right on that. So now, if you're going to use that, Greg, you use your Socratic method of your law school. It, yeah. I know you don't have an Iowa State education, but <laughs> if you had to go with it, 70s, accurate. Southern, accurate. If you had to venture a guess, and it's not Molly Hatchet. Okay, it's not Molly Hatchet? It's not. Did, then I would go with Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner. Because if you had heard this. There you go. You would know that. Turn it up. Turn it up. You'd know that is Leonard Skinner. Okay, Leonard Skinner. Now, Leonard Skinner, of course, they spell Leonard and Skinner with Y's. Yep. Right? L Y N Y. Yep. And uh, S K Y. So, Leonard Skinner, why are they called Leonard Skinner? I got to be honest, I don't know. Okay, so the story is that they're called Leonard Skinner because of their gym coach, gym teacher, football coach. His name was Leonard Skinner. However, they said that's only part of the story. Basically, remember when we were kids, there was that famous little silly song in the summertime, Camp Granada. Yep. Hello, Mudda. Hello, Father. Father. Yep. Here I am at Camp Granada. Camp is very entertaining. They say we'll have some fun if it stops raining. I remember. Right, the kid wants to go home. He's writing a letter to home. Okay, he had a cell phone and a weak, weak generation that would have picked him up in a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> Today, he would have gone home in a half hour. His parents don't even know he's upset because the letter won't get to him for three days. So just tough it out there, kid, at the camp. But at one point, he says, you remember Joey Spivey? He went he went uh, walking. Now he's got poison ivy. And then he says, do you remember Leonard Skinner? He got ptomaine poisoning last night after dinner, is no, what he I says. I don't remember that. Leonard Skinner. And so they said... Anytime something bad happened, they blame it on Leonard Skinner, some, somebody who wasn't even there. They were saying, this is a made-up person, Leonard Skinner. And then they just happened to get that gym coach, and they didn't like him at all. And they said, let's just call ourselves Leonard Skinner. Let's <laughs> That's just, amazing. Let's just do that. Let's be Leonard Skinner. Now, <clears throat> Ronnie Van Zant is the voice of Leonard Skinner. It's a tremendous voice that Ronnie has, Greg. It really is a great voice. And um, and he is he is not a big man, but basically what they say is, when he gets drinking, he's an angry, mean drunk, and doesn't matter who you are, he it doesn't matter how big you are, Ronnie Van Zant will knock you out, basically, and he drove everything, whatever they didn't whatever they didn't want to do, he made him do it. Now in that song, you know, Sweet Home Alabama. They do talk about that. Do you remember that one? There's a line there. It's 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 a little further down in the song where it where it says, um, "Muscle Muscle Shoals." Shoals. Yeah, Shoals. Mu- Muscle Shoals has the swampland. It actually has the swamper. Okay, that's where they actually recorded songs in the place called Muscle Shoals. Okay, that was that. That's where they came from and put it in the song. And Ronnie Van Zant wouldn't write a single thing down, Greg. He basically Why? wrote these things in his head and he showed up and started singing them. So if they didn't catch it, record it, write it down, they didn't have it after that. 
That's what he would do. He wouldn't actually write it down. So then, then what's the most? Not, these are these are famous songs. I mean, that smells yeah. a great song. You know, whiskey bottles, oak tree, you're in my way. One of his one of the guys in the band was drunk, hit a, hit a tree. He, this guy just writes about what's happening. So he's just basically telling the story about what happens. But you got Sweet Home Alabama, and then what is it, Greg? What else from these guys? Um, Freebird? Yeah. So hold on one second. Just give me a second here, Greg. So. There it is. Okay. This is what happens when you have just one track for you and me to work on. This is, of course, Freebird. You hear the piano, Greg? Sounds like an organ to me. Okay, so there's a lot of piano in there in the beginning. So here's what happens. Here's the free board. board. Here's the cheese board. Here's the free bird story. These guys, the guy who does the guitar solo wrote that thing when he was 17 for the solo. It was never intended to be as long as it is. It's long. It's a slow song, Greg. Yes. Until that, until that happens. Until right? the end. Everyone yell, the top in high school. Everybody in high school would yell what, Greg, at a dance? What, Freebird? Freebird. Freebird. Yeah. Freebird, play Freebird. Yeah. Every band that played at a at high school dance had to play Freebird. Yep. And there's no way, now that I know what I know, anybody in there played Freebird the way this dude plays Freebird. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. And he's like, and he's in his head, he's thinking, nobody knows what I'm playing. Uh, they don't even know what's happening here. There's no way you can play what that guy plays. But they said that it was a slow song and that they needed Ronnie to rest his voice. So they had a little guitar two-minute thing that they did just to give him a chance to relax and rest a little bit on stage, hmm. which grew to sometimes they play nine or ten minutes long in that incredible solo. And, and Leonard Skinner's guitar, they had three guitarists at one time. The stuff sounds like a train coming at you most of the time. It's it's unbelievable sound. So here's the, here's the funny thing. They do this, um, Freebird, and it was rejected by nine different record companies. Wow. Rejected by nine different record companies. And they had a roadie, one of their roadies, his name was Billy Powell. And Billy Powell said, you know, if I, did, if, <laughs> if I was playing Freebird, it would sound like this. And he sat down at the piano and started playing the intro that you hear with the piano in there. And you hear a lot of uh, that on, um, on, also on that smell. They told him, you're fired, Billy. You are fired. And they fired him on the spot. And then hired him as their piano player. Said, you're not, you're not the roadie anymore, dude. We're going to play this song just the way you were doing that. And do Freebird. Wow. So, you know, Van Zant. Relentless, Greg. Relentless. Yeah, I find the stories though of when people do creative work or any kind of work that gets rejected many, many times. I mean, it just it just tells you, you know, if you get no the first time, don't accept it. Don't accept it the first five times. Whatever you're doing in your life. Yeah, and then these guys op- they they were doing small stuff in the south. They were going playing clubs and bars, and then things started picking up and exploding. And next thing you know, they opened for the Who. And. uh that was crazy stuff. Then things went crazy for them. And they were at some show with the Stones. And it was, whenever, remember the Stones had that one record cover with a big mouth and a long tongue? Yep. Okay, so what they were told was, you're going to open for the Stones on this thing, and there's only one thing you are not allowed to do. Walk down 
that center ramp onto the onto that. It actually looks like a red tongue. That is the center ramp yeah. out in the middle in the middle of the audience. You can't do that. And Ronnie Van Sant threatened to beat the crap out of the guitarists if they didn't go down on that tongue and walk out there. <laughs> and so they all walked out there. It was better to get Mick Jagger mad at you than get punched in the face by Ronnie Van Zant. So they all walked out on that thing. And that was it. Not doing anything with the Stones ever again. And he could not have cared less, Greg. And basically, his thing, it was his kind of thing. It was him. Like They had a plane. They were taking them everywhere in the plane, and the plane needed to be fixed, and they didn't fix the plane. And he said, look, doesn't matter. We've got to do a show. Get on the plane. Nobody wants to get on the plane. They got on the plane, and then it crashes. Jeez. And three of them die. And um, he dies. Ronnie Van Zant dies. And uh, one of the guitarists and Gaines is his name. Last name is Gaines. His sister, who's one of the backup singers, she dies. And the pilot, co-pilot die. And their manager died on that flight. And one of the dudes, I always forget that people survived that flight, Greg. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're going down. And everybody was pretty calm, talking to each other and staying calm. And then it sounded like baseball bats were swatting the, the plane because it was hitting the trees. And, uh, and it was years later when his brother... They were doing like a, um, a, uh, remember, what am I thinking about a tour here, Greg? They're trying to do a, uh, a tour in memory of them playing the old okay. songs. And then his brother's now the lead singer. And they, and they just kept doing it after this memorial tour mm-hmm. kind of thing. But Ronnie Van Zant, if, if you see, it's just, he's a powerful dude, man. And he wanted it to work. And he wasn't going to give up. And nine times no didn't mean no. It's a great, I mean, if our generation didn't have Freebird, because people said no to it nine times. Yeah, that's amazing. It really yeah. is. So, anyway, that's the music for the day. It's uh, it's uh, Leonard Skinner with a Y there. Yeah. And uh, I think they had their gym coach, teacher, football coach guy. I think he introduced him once at a concert. They had him come that's out pretty cool. and say, hey, I'm Leonard Skinner, and do his thing. So, Okay, so we're back. We're happy to be back. We have a couple of guests lined up that are waiting for us to get back to do this thing. Hopefully, we can get them this week and get them uh, ready for for the next week's show. Um, remember, you can find us on Facebook at It's Never Just a Game, Instagram at It's Never Just a Game, and on Twitter at InJag. This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm Greg Pesci. And I'm NJ Pesci. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>